You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for those frightened children who want peace. It is for those voiceless children who want change. Be inspired by women from across the globe who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Now, Women to Watch. Here's your host, Sue Rocco. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for being with me for another week of Women to Watch. It's great to be back in the studio to bring you the story um, of a woman who's been quite a chameleon, I will say. And I'm, I'm very excited and honored to have her with me here in the studio. Her name is Milani Metter. And Milani um, is currently the CEO of Redeem, which is a tours and attractions technology company, um, which she was uh, brought in to run. And we're going to be talking with her shortly about that. Uh, be sure to stay with us during the breaks to hear from our exclusive watch team of on-air contributors, bringing you information on your health, finance, and technology. Um, our sponsors are from Jefferson Pathways and Fortist Wealth, and we're lucky to have them. Um, also, don't forget, we are now broadcasting on WLAC in Nashville every Sunday at 5 p.m. So if you happen to be listening uh, by the live stream, uh, be sure to tune in in Nashville as well. So now I'm very excited to welcome to the show again, Milani Metter. Thank you. Thanks so much for being here. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having and, me. And bringing your sidekick, Hollis. <laughs> <laughs> um, I... Uh, I've been doing my homework and, and reading and learning about you. There's a couple of things that have intrigued me. And, and one was um, what seems like your um, curiosity about life in general and your willingness to try new things. And I always want to know where that comes from. But I'd love to start with um, your growing up. And I understand you were born in Hawaii, which what a beautiful place to grow up. Um, and one of the things that you shared with me that's really was a um, pivotal moment, I'll say, and has had an impact on you was not only the divorce of, of mom and dad when you were young at three, but going off to boarding school. And uh, I'd love for you to just kind of describe those years for our listeners and, and share how that impacted you. Yes, I'd be happy to. So um, my parents did divorce when I was young and is very typical of a child of divorced parents. You kind of ping pong between households a lot. Um, and I found myself a little bit lost and not figuring out really where I belonged. And um, I had moved out to be with my father in California and uh, promptly was taken to boarding school on my 12th birthday. It was an all-girls Catholic boarding school in Monterey, California. Mm -hmm. And at the time, 
obviously I didn't want to be going to boarding school. I wanted to be home with my family. But what I realized after the fact is that boarding school brought a lot of structure to my life that I didn't have before. So changing between households and parenting styles, right? You kind of adapt to the environment that you're in. And to an extent that was a bit free flowing as one would expect, but in boarding school, it's very structured, right? You're told when you're go to class and when you have to do your PE and when you have your study hall and when to go to dining hall. And I found that that structure really allowed me to succeed. So, you know, a child who was a little bit lost all of a sudden found an environment that with structure I could be successful. And all of a sudden I was on the Dean's list and I was getting the courtesy award on an annual basis. And I found that I needed that structure in my life, that it gave me purpose and it gave me something to work towards. And that has been a pivotal moment because I've carried that structure throughout my life and has really benefited me in any job that I've had or any social environment that I've had, learning how to adapt to an environment where there's a lot of people and a lot of different personalities and a lot of different social settings that you need to find your way to navigate through, especially for somebody who had been a lost child. Oh, you know, was, did that happen immediately for you or did it feel stifling at all in the beginning because you weren't used to that, you know, kind of following rules? No, it was very stifling in, in the beginning. I mean, you know, it freshman year is really when they infuse structure into you. And so from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed, you have an agenda all day long, right? And you're told where you need to be and what you need to wear. And um, so freshman year was tough. Right. Um, but as I got into sophomore year and junior year, I found that I craved that structure. And because of that structure, I knew that procrastination wasn't an option and that um, things were due when they, they were due. And so you kind of navigate through knowing what your agenda is and finding your way to that structure and how it helps you define what needs to be done in your day to day life. And did, um, yeah, I would imagine it helped you to feel more secure. As very, well. very much so because I knew yeah. I knew where I, w- I knew I had a place. I knew where I needed to go. I knew where people were expecting me. I knew what type of behavior people wanted and in and, and, and the environment in which I could thrive on. Mm-hmm. Um, and candidly, my two best friends, lifelong, I found in boarding school. I and- was just going to ask, you know, that's key, especially at 12 years old, that, you know, you need to find those good friends you you that you can lean on and talk to about everything that's going on. You do. And and for me, it was the first time I found that unconditional support and that unconditional love because they were going through a lot of what I was going through at the time, right? Being 12 years old, going to boarding school, being taught by nuns, very strict environment. And we were able to lean on each other and find that love and support that you weren't getting because you were away from your family. What was it like for you to go home then after being, you know, in boarding school and now kind of seeing your, your upbringing in a different light? Yeah. So again, at the time, you know, when you're 12 and 13 and you have that structure, you don't really appreciate it. Um, But I I grew to appreciate it. And now I'm very grateful for the opportunity to have gone to boarding school and for those lifelong friends and that structure that it created. And so even when I came home for holidays or summer, I I craved that structure. And so I created it for myself. I found summer jobs and I created these exercise routines that I could count on day to day and navigate through summer when structure wasn't created for me. I had to develop it on my own. I'm curious what your aspirations were when you were young, because you've held a lot of leadership positions and you've really kind of, you know, answered the call, come in and and turned um, quite a few businesses and companies around in the right direction. So uh, again, you know, kind of parlaying the the boarding school experience inside were you always thinking I want to be in a leadership position you were not a follower 
I was not a follower, but I, I never thought about leadership. I was not that child who knew they wanted to be a doctor or a lawyer or a social worker. What I knew is I wanted to find my own way. I wanted to be self-supporting and I wanted to have strength in my life and, and to, regardless of what environment I was in, to know that I would survive. And so as I kind of got out of high school and progressed in my life, I found things that I was unaware of interesting. I wanted to learn. And so I've had multiple different jobs because it's always been an opportunity for me to learn something new about an industry or learn how to interact with people or learn about um, nutrition or humanitarian work or leadership or technology. I get bored very easily. And so it's important for me to continue to figure out how to um, exercise my brain and learn more about areas that I find fascinating, but I'm not knowledgeable in. Yeah, it keeps life more interesting. It does. It? Yeah, it does. and exciting. Um, if you're just tuning in, I'm speaking to Milani Metter, the CEO of Redeem, which is a tours and attraction technology company. Um, tell me about, I understand you went to college in Denver, Colorado. In Colorado, I did. And what did you major in? What was your degree? Marketing and organiz- organizational leadership. Okay. So again, um, marketing the curiosity and how to intrigue people and capture people's attention because that was compelling for me. Things that capture my attention are things that I wanted to learn more about. And so the marketing and creative component behind it was always very compelling for me. And then organizational leadership, I do feel that I was put on this earth to lead um, and help people be the best versions of themselves and to figure out where they fit in and where they can excel and have that structure. And so that's why I chose organizational leadership. Mm, Excellent. And it's always interesting to me to have someone in technology using the word creativity because it's very much, you know, an important piece of it. It We'll talk about that when we come back. Stay with us for our Tech Watch. We'll be right back. Introducing Pathways Consulting Group, a company that will align your IT needs with your business goals. Pathways is a full-service ServiceNow partner. What does that mean? It's simple. Pathways will collaborate and design, develop, and deploy solutions for your company today that will define tomorrow. Pathways will provide world-class enterprise service management solutions. Pathways Consulting Group. They listen. They care. They execute. Go to PathwaysCG.com. That's PathwaysCG.com. Now, the women to watch. Tech Watch. Hi, I'm Mary Manso from Pathways Consulting Group. As an entrepreneur and owner of a small, fast-growing company, the incorporation of technology to help run our business is always on my mind. The investment of new tech applications for a company is a big undertaking, so investing in the right technology that works and can grow with your company is vital so that a couple of years from now, you're not throwing money out the window and starting over. There are many things to consider. What day-to-day functions take up the most time, is done manually, and reporting is tedious? Can these items be automated for quick visibility when trying to make business decisions? Will the investment in the technology give you an edge over your competition and move your company forward? Once you can answer these questions, make sure that the right people in your company help you vet out the right technology. If you're a small business, that person may be you. So look for applications that need little customization but can easily configure to your business needs. You don't want to have to invest in something that needs heavy customization to get it to do what you want it to do because the technology needs to grow with you and you don't want to have to replace the technology down the road because it was so heavily customized it's too hard to maintain. Don't just shop 
for price. Shop for functionality, ease of use, return on investment, and make sure that the application can generate reports that allow you to see trends in your business. Include the people from your business that will be using the application daily and will be responsible for it. Make sure that the application has built-in security features. Most important, shop for a technology partner that understands your industry and your business needs. Vet out a few and ask for references. For more information on this topic, email me at mary at pathwayscg.com. Uh, thanks again for being with us. I'm having a wonderful conversation with Milani Metter. And um, her life has is impressive to me for many reasons. Um, one is certainly um, a, a challenge that she had to overcome in her 20s when, um, I'm saying she, you're right there, when you were in a very severe car accident um, and uh, you suffered brain injury. I did. And that really, gosh, that had to just flip your uh, views on life. So t- tell the listeners what happened and how it changed you? Yeah, it was a defining moment in my life. So after boarding school, I moved to Virginia to be near my mom and um, I was putting myself through college. So I started at community college just because it's more affordable and I was paying for it myself. And during that time on Super Bowl Sunday, ironically, I was in a horrible car accident and um, I had what they call a severe closed head injury, which is essentially brain damage and swelling of the brain. Um, And so I was in a coma for a period of time. And after I came out of the coma, I had to essentially train my brain on how to do normal functions. So how to walk again normally, how to manage your equilibrium normally, how to um, uh, memory, short and long-term memory. I had significant loss there. And so I had to go through occupational therapy to learn how to remember things, whether short-term, long-term. And to an extent, there's many memories in my childhood that I still have never been able to recall. Um, But from that moment on, because I created that survival drive in myself during boarding school with that structure, I carried that through the car accident to say, I am a survivor. I will be okay. I will get through this and I'll be stronger for it. So I'm actually very grateful that I had the car accident because it did change who I am and the perception that I have of myself, of my life and what I'm here to do. Um, And it creates the drive behind my career, my family life, my humanitarian work. Um, It's really kind of a pivotal quality that I have in myself now. How about the recognition from something like that about how fragile life is? And did it help? Not, I don't know when you were young, were you someone that was um, kind of hard on yourself and perhaps took things too seriously? Often, you know, an event like that will will allow people to really not sweat the small stuff. Is that an experience for you? It does. It does. Um, but, you know, as you progress in your career, right, you carry a lot of weight with you. Um, you know, a lot of stress of making sure your company is successful, the yeah. employees within are successful, that not just success from a professional perspective, but a good leader also believes in in creating a foundational success to help people in their personal lives too. And so I try not to sweat the small stuff. That can be hard in today's society. Right. Um, but I do believe that life is um, meant to be lived and to make the most of any situation that you're in, good, bad, or indifferent, and to try and always look on the positive side that each day is new and you have an opportunity to kind of change things in your environment and you can do that solely. Other people can't do that for you. And I think that also came from the car accident, which is I woke up every day knowing I had pretty monumental challenges in front of me, but I was able to plow through because I knew the end result would be much better than Mm. the beginning. Yeah. 
Um, you've had numerous jobs, a, an eclectic background, I'll say, um, to name a few, firefighter and EMT, um, flight attendant, nurse's aide. My question when reading that is, um, have you always been searching? I think I was. Yeah. After after the car accident, I was definitely searching. The firefighter EMT came because during the car accident, while I have zero memory of weeks before and weeks after, I do have a sense that somebody was holding my hand and somebody was there telling me it was going to be okay. And um, my gut tells me that was the emergency medical technician and paramedic in the ambulance on the way to the hospital and then the nurses within the hospital. And that gave me a sense of comfort because I could hear people, but I couldn't engage with them because Mm -hmm. of how my brain injury, um, the result of the brain injury. And so after I healed from that and went through all the therapy, I felt compelled to give that back to someone. Um, and I felt a way to do that was to go through the EMT training and become a firefighter and um, be the first person on a scene when people are in crisis. Wow. Right. Either. And how old were you then? When, uh, when it was mid 20s. Okay. Yeah. Mid 20s. And um, I loved every minute of it. I just felt giving back to people in need is something that we all should do and strive for. And um, I did that. The challenge is the schedule is not awesome. <laughs> um, and I yeah. felt like there was more that I could be doing in life. And mm-hmm. so. Um, because you only work about three days a week in that industry, I wanted to get a part-time job. And that's when I started working in the hotel industry. So okay. my first part-time job in the hospitality space was at a courtyard by Marriott. Okay. And because of my inquisitive nature, I found it fascinating to figure out how um, consumers arrived to the hotel. How did they find the hotel? Why were they there? How did they book? And because of that, that kind of naturally progressed me into the hospitality industry. And that's what really kicked off my career. I always think of a, a front desk job at a hotel as an ex, a really exciting job. I mean, as someone who loves to meet new people and happy to talk and, and find out where they're from and what they're doing. What did that job teach you about people that perhaps you take into your role as a CEO? It taught me that everyone has a different story, right? And everybody lives a different and unique life. And, um, you know, when you're working at a hotel, some people are there visiting their family or they're there on vacation or they're there for business. And so, um, what it taught me was everybody has a unique story, which also means everybody has a unique experience and you need to be able to tailor um, your engagement to that experience. And I think that carries off in leadership too, is leadership is not a one size fits all. You really have to tailor your leadership to the people that are in front of you on what motivates them. Why are they there? What are they hoping to achieve? And if you take a one size all approach, it's going to work for some, but it's not going to work for others. Mm -hmm. And the same thing with engaging with people at a hotel depending on why they're there, they could be there for a wedding or a funeral or a business or a job interview, right? And so the emotions that they carry are very different. And again, with that inquisitive mind, trying to figure out why we're there could help tailor the experience they had while they were in the hotel. Right. And I just found that so fascinating that I wanted to learn more and be part of a bigger travel industry experience. Yeah. You you spent nine years at Orbitz and I wondered what, that's a long time, what kept you there? Um, interesting. So my first job was Sunburst Hospitality, which was a hotel company based in Maryland. And I also spent nine years there. And I stayed long because I just found it fascinating. I was continually learning more and I was continually developing myself and my skill sets. And I felt like they had given me that opportunity and they were still giving me opportunities to better myself. And so I felt loyalty was really key. I only left when I felt like I had stopped learning and wanted to learn more. And that's when I transitioned over to Orbitz and spent nine years there as well. And for the same reason, every 
couple of months, there was new opportunities, new development, new learnings, new mm. progression, new evolution that I was part of. And I just found that fascinating and I just wanted to keep going. Okay. When we come back, I want to find out the catalyst for, um, actually, people that you were, um, people reached out to you to come to Redeem and, and run the company, if I understand that right. I yes. want to find out how that happened. Stay with us for our Finance Watch. We'll be right back. You're listening to Women to Watch. If you believe that family, charity, or money is deeply important for the greater good, Fortis Wealth invites you to a highly personalized financial discovery process to help you visualize your financial legacy. It's not for everyone, but if you're willing to invest the time and thought, they can offer advice and strategies to help you accomplish your dreams. Fortis Advisors is a wholly owned subsidiary of Fortis Wealth, an investment advisor registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Visit Fortis-Wealth.com today because tomorrow is waiting. Hi, this is Terry. And this is Maggie. And we're from Fortis Wealth. Many high net worth families have their financial advisors create and implement financial plans. They also regularly review and stress test those plans to make sure they are on track and consistent with the family's needs and wants. Even if you don't consider yourself wealthy, there are reasons why you should engage in the same practice. Stress testing is when you ask, what if? For example, what if I retire at age 62 instead of 65? What if my spouse dies prematurely or one of us is not able to work for an extended period? What if we need long-term care services later in life? Can I afford to pay for my grandchildren's college education and not compromise my retirement? Start with determining your goals and what you want your money to do for you. Then evaluate specific existing or proposed financial strategies or products. First, modify the assumptions to determine how the solutions will work when a given scenario changes. These may include changes in investment returns, the cost of living, savings rates, downsizing your home, or moving to another state. Second, evaluate whether the solution will not only work but is consistent with your goals. For example, you may want to both avoid debt and save for retirement. Maxing out your 401k contributions may be a good saving strategy, but does it affect your cash flow and cause you to use credit cards more frequently? Business owners often focus on reducing income taxes, but reporting less income can affect the ability to contribute to a tax-favored retirement plan or to secure adequate disability insurance. Third, don't forget to assess the costs of the solution. High fees and expenses can affect the long-term value of products and services. The end result may be one of several different recommendations, such as staying the course, choosing a different solution, or choosing a different advisor. Make stress testing your plan a goal for 2020. The time and money spent can be cheaper than the financial, emotional, and psychological cost of a plan that is flawed or in conflict with your values or goals. Continue to stress test periodically as your goals and situation will probably change over time. This is Terry. And this is Maggie. Peace out. You're listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Thanks for being with us. I'm with Milani Metter this evening. She's the CEO of Redeem, a tours and attractions technology company, um, which is very cool. I was trying to do my homework on the site and learn a little bit more about the company, and I'll give you an opportunity to tell us what that really is. But um, I understand, you know, your reputation preceded you, and and you were recruited to come um, in as the CEO. How did that come about? And when you first got the the call, the invite, whatever that might be, did you immediately know you you were going to do that, or did you hesitate? I didn't hesitate. So technically, I was retired. I was running a nonprofit foundation that my husband and I founded, and one of the investors at Redeem called me and said, look, there's this technology company. It's in Colorado in your backyard. 
uh, they're going through a very similar evolution to what you experienced in the hotel industry. So when I was at Orbitz, I started when it was originally founded by five airlines. They were building a hotel platform and they wanted to bring somebody with hospitality experience. So this goes back to early 2000s when we were still faxing reservations to hotels. Right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I know. Did that happen? It did. Yeah. Um, and so we created, you know, fully digitized solutions to where the, the consumer would book, the reservation would be in the property management system, the consumer could arrive and go straight to their room. Um, and Redeem is is is. Um, helping the tourism activities evolve in a similar way. So when I had the conversation with the investor, he said, look, this is a little bit of a been there, done that for you. You went through this on the hotel side of the industry. I think you could add a lot of value to redeem. Would you mind just having a conversation with them? So I did. I spoke to the CEO. I spoke to some of the executives and I spent an, uh, an exorbitant amount of time talking to the board of directors and the investors. And I was really compelled to join for two reasons. One, I'm an avid traveler. I love traveling. It's one of my hobbies. Um, and I find the consumer journey still very clunky and, and, um, and fragmented. And it's, it has been such a pleasure in my life and such an educational experience to travel globally like I have. And it's made me a more well-rounded person, people, person. So I want other people to go through that experience. So I thought, okay, well, we've done this on the hotel side of the industry we absolutely need to do it within tours and activities. It's the third largest vertical within travel. $183 billion a year is spent on tours and activities and attractions. So when I spoke to the board of directors, I learned that they were creating a technology platform that made it easier for attractions to work with those that are reselling their tickets. So if I go back to the hotel phase where we were faxing reservations, what happens in tourism activities today is the consumer has to print out a paper voucher and take that to a will call to go into the attraction. It's a horrible consumer experience. So the evolution that Redeem is creating is creating a technology platform that digitizes that exchange between the attraction, the reseller, the consumer, improves the consumer journey and allows operators to sell tickets to global audience. So when I heard that, I thought, Okay, that's compelling. It's an opportunity to disrupt another vertical within travel. And I got such great um, reward out of being part of that on the at Orbitz Worldwide. So that was one reason. The other reason is our board of directors is um, highly engaged and very supportive and sees the vision of Redeem and the evolution that the industry is going to. And that was really important to me because I've been with public companies and private companies and have had to make decisions to manage to shareholders. And that can be challenging at times, mm -hmm. right? Where I wanted the opportunity to really evolve the technology, disrupt the industry in a positive way, and not always have to worry about what the shareholder was thinking. Right. Um, what this their input, yeah. yeah. What their input is. Yeah. yeah. And this yeah. industry is so antiquated and we have so far to go that I wanted to make sure that those that were invested in Redeem were invested for the long haul and wanted to see the full evolution yeah. and weren't just in it to get a strong return on their investment immediately. Um, so with the the prospect of disrupting another vertical within travel, working with people who had been in my network for a long time that I know really well and having the support of the investors, I thought this is definitely something I want to be part of. Um, it's more than just for the listeners to understand in layman's terms, it's more than just an app, right? Um, and tell me, you know, um, I understand there's um, tools that help employees at tour companies, again, be able to update information in a streamlined way, right? Be yes. more efficient with other companies that are um, helping to sell their services, right? Yeah. So what are... I, Explain that better than I am. And then what are some of the future um, projects 
for Redeem to do outside of this one yeah. service. So today, um, so much of the tours and activities industry is still offline, right? So if you wanted to, you know, book, say, a kayak tour in Hawaii, high probability you're going to have to pick up the phone to make that actual booking. That and surprises me. It is. It's very surprising, wow. um, okay. especially, again, $183 billion is booked in our industry annually. And so um, the the evolution needs to be that wherever the consumer is, and, you know, whether you're weeks in advance or standing in front of and want to be able to book, you should be able to book it in real time and get relevant rates for the time of year and be able to go straight into the attraction to mitigate the whole manual component behind it. Mm. Um, and so what Redeem does is it allows um, all of that to transition online, happen in real time. So you get real time rates, real time availability. You get um, you can book and transact it online and then you get a mobile boarding pass so you can go straight into the attraction. So very similar to the air industry, you can book your flight, you can go through security with your mobile pass and you can go straight onto the plane. We want that same consumer behavior and engagement to happen in the tours and activity space. And our technology allows that to happen. So we're helping operators transition their business from offline to online. Mm -hmm. And we're helping resellers like, you know, Expedia and Groupon and Google be able to acquire that tours and activities industry in real time, present it to the consumer and ensure that the consumer gets the transaction and go straight into the into the attraction or activity. Is your software the only one of its kind? Um, yeah. So we're the only agnostic or neutral middleware solution in the industry. There are other ticketing systems that offer some connectivity, mm -hmm. um, but we're the only true middleware that prides ourselves on being an extension of the business of the operator as well as the reseller. So if you're an operator and you work with Redeem, you can work with a multitude of resellers around the globe that will sell tickets on your behalf. If you're a reseller, you can connect into Redeem and gain access to every operator that we have on our platform. Okay. So it's a plug and play solution. Yeah. Tell me how you, we talk a lot on the show and, and I think it's often spoken about in the news, the culture of a company. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a good thing that companies are paying more attention to what is the culture here to get the best from our employees. When we come back, I want to know what is your leadership style and how do you motivate your team? Sure. Stay with us for our Health Watch. You're listening to Women to Watch. We'll be right back. Since 1858, Mount St. Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount St. Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215-233-3177. That's msjacad.org or 215-233-3177. Now, the Women to Watch, Health Watch. For Health Watch, I'm Dr. Marianne Ritchie. A special thank you to our host, Sue Rocco, for inviting me to serve as the Health Watch contributor. For exactly two years, I've enjoyed the honor of bringing you this weekly segment. I hope you've learned a lot, because doing weekly research has provided a great refresher course on general medicine topics that I studied in the past, but I might not see so often in my specialized practice of gastroenterology. Great news. With your positive feedback, I'm thrilled to continue on Women to Watch, but I've also been offered the chance to host my own show. 
Tune in to Your Radio Doctor every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. right here on WPHT. I'll be interviewing medical experts from around the country about medical conditions, prevention, and how you recognize early symptoms when treatment can be more helpful. My mission is to be your advocate, speaking for you, the lay community, asking doctors questions that you can then take to your doctor visit. And how special, my neighbor at 11 a.m. is the Philadelphia treasure, the incomparable Sid Mark with the sounds of Sinatra. We spend February, American Heart Month, on various aspects of heart disease. Next month, everything you need to know about colon cancer. There's even a vaccine. Visit our website, yourradiodoctor.com. Hear the shows we've done. Also, join the Blue Lights campaign during March, Colon Cancer Awareness Month. Colon cancer is the number two cause of cancer death, but over a third of age-appropriate Americans are not screened. Help us spread the important message. Colon cancer is common, often deadly, but preventable. Start next Sunday on March 1. Turn your porch light blue. Dress the front of your home or business in blue lights, then send a photo to info at bluelightscampaign.com. Or send a photo with you and friends, coworkers, wearing blue for our You in Blue page. Visit our website, bluelightscampaign.com. Okay, Divas, your homework this week, two websites, yourradiodoctor.com and bluelightscampaign.com. I'll be watching for you next Sunday at 10 a.m. This is Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. just before the break, we were talking about leadership style and culture. And in my research, you've been described often as um, a very strategic and innovative leader. And I wanted to ask you two questions. You know, one, what, what is, I'll say, your philosophy, you know, as, as a leader? What is it that you find works? But where do you go for inspiration, right, to motivate your team? Yeah, I, I think it goes back to, I think in leadership, many times people um, forego the recognition that there's a human behind that role. Um, and so I really try and focus on the human component behind people and figuring out what motivates them. So, you know, I know what motivates me, um, but what motivates me may not motivate you or, you know, another employee. And so by recognizing that human component behind employees and the roles that they're in, you actually get to know them a little bit more intimately and find out what motivates them. And that's important as a leader, because um, when it comes to motivating people and showing reward and recognition, if it doesn't resonate with them, it's not going to be impactful. Mm -hmm. And again, some people are motivated by money. Some people are motivated by recognition. Some people are motivated by promotions, right? Um, but until you know that, you can't really be an effective leader. And so, How many employees do you have? 47. 47. And so that's hard to find. So you're wanting to get to know each one of them personally. I, I do, because each one of them has personally committed to redeem and mm -hmm. redeem success. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, loyalty is important. Um, you know, maintaining stability within your organization is important. Um, and you create loyalty by showing an investment in each employee. And so I do try and get to know every employee within my organization. Obviously, you know, I've been in roles where we've had hundreds and hundreds and that becomes very hard. And so as a leadership team, we often talk about that, which is, you know, to be an effective leader, you know, there's multitude of different leadership styles. You have to create what feels comfortable to you. And in creating what feels comfortable to you, then you come across as authentic and sincere. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, and you recognize that human component, it's, it's kind of a formula that really works. Yeah. Um, something that I know is very important to you and a big part of your life is a foundation that you and your husband started, Metters Masters Foundation. What is it and, and, and why was it important to you to, to be doing this work? 
You know, I've always believed in giving back. Um, and whether you're fortunate or not for- less fortunate than others, I, I think giving back to people and investing in people is really rewarding and usually returns tenfold. And so when I was retired after selling Bankrate, uh, my husband and I wanted to start a nonprofit foundation. We found that we were involved in many. I was the chairman of American Heart Association for a while. And while that felt great and rewarding, I didn't always know where the money was going to and was it getting to the people in need at the time that they had those needs. And um, because we gave back so much, we realized that people truly want to give back and sometimes they just don't know how or have a platform to do so. And so we decided to create a nonprofit 501c3 foundation. And our mission literally is to make the world a better place by helping people in need. So we do everything from college scholarships to um, we funded a women's rehabilitation center recently. We launched a suicide prevention program for children. Um, We've helped people with extraordinary medical circumstances. Uh, We provide on-the-ground relief efforts immediately after hurricanes. We did so in Nicaragua, Puerto Rico, Houston. Um, Wow, it's a lot of different areas that you're helping. It's a a lot of different areas. And, you know, a perfect example is the Bahamas just went through utter devastation. There's some islands that were 100% um, wiped out, and they still don't have the support from FEMA or Red Cross. Yet we were able to get funds to them on the ground within days and help people, you know, help rebuild and support their families until, you know, larger support comes along. And, um, you know, sometimes people just don't know where to go and they feel helpless. And, you know, when I was a kid and a little bit lost and I felt helpless, um, that's that's a tough feeling mm-hmm. to have. And so to be able to provide an environment that people can go to and know that people care and will do what it takes to get them the support that they need is very meaningful to my husband and I. And we're very lucky. We have an incredible board of directors, all volunteers. So 100% of the funds that come into our foundation go right back out the door to help people in need. And, um, you know, that's pretty rewarding and, and my true joy in life. And so... Later on, when I retire fully, finally, <laughs> when they let you, when they let me, all my attention will go to the foundation and serving other people. Well, one of my questions was, did you ever have a desire to, to start your own company? But I guess you're really having a little bit of, you know, with having the foundation, um, you're getting a taste of that, I guess. I am getting a taste yeah. of that. I mean, yeah, you know, you always have these grandiose ideas of companies that you can start and, you know, being part of a startup environment is rewarding, yet it's challenging. And so, yeah, often I do think about other companies that I could start. Um, but honestly, my 100% of my attention is on Redeem right now and making Redeem successful and the foundation. And I think that's good for now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so tell me what, you know, in listening to your story, um, it's impressive um, and you've overcome challenges. What's hard for you today? What is something that on a daily basis, you know, that you could share with our listeners in case there's a woman listening who, you know, is ready to kind of take that next step towards leadership um, that that's hard for you that you have to work on on a regular basis? You know, I think in today's society, um, you know, there's this um there's grandiose belief about the busy you are, the more successful you are. And, um, you know, it's challenging in today's environment with the career and with kids and social life and trying to be all to all. And um, what is challenging is saying no and making sure that you are also taking care of yourself in addition to taking every care of everything in front of you. And Why is it, women do it. It is hard for Why do you think that is? Um, You know, I think we're nurturers. I think we're caretakers. And I think, um, especially for me, um, being a humanitarian, in addition to a leader, is I want to make sure people are okay. I want to make sure people are motivated and excited about what they're doing. And that takes energy and it takes effort. 
And sometimes you give so much of yourself to others that you lose sight of yourself and what's important to you. Um, And this has been a a continual learning lesson for me in my life is that I find myself spread so thin that I almost have nothing left for myself. And when doing so, I'm only satisfactory to everyone, including myself, Mm -hmm. where if I take the time and attention and give back to myself and make me the best version of myself, then I'm the best version for everybody involved, whether that's at work or at home or with my friends or with my family. Um, And so that I find challenging in today's environment because you are getting pulled in so many different directions, including, you know, trying to stay up with social media and what's happening with your family and your friends and what's happening in your industry and with your employees. And that it's challenging. It's, it's interesting to me because as a CEO, you're, you're the top, you're in charge. And you would think that a person at that level has complete control on whether um, you're going to take on a project or, or, you know, in other words, being able to say yes and no. But I guess if there's a burden on you, right, because you are um, responsible for so many people it and is. so many moving parts of the company. Yeah, and sometimes it's out of your control. And knowing that to be the case, you need to be able to navigate through that, right? Being a leader is not about being a controlling person or having control at all times. Being a leader is being able to effectively manage the situations and environments that are in front of you for maximum output and potential. And whether that's, you know, a project, a partnership, a technology solution, you have to prioritize and think about what's in the best interest right now for everyone involved. And, you know, some things you're just not going to be able to get to. And for somebody who is driven and is a leader, sometimes that's hard to swallow because you want to be able to do it all. You just can't. Do you have a mantra that you kind of lean on? or go to in times of stress? Oh, I have thousands. Oh, you um, do? I Share do. your favorite. You know, it's funny. I always have a book with me, some kind of motivational book, whether it's inspiring quotes or stories of people who have had challenges that have overcome. I don't know if I have a favorite other than be kind. Yeah. Be kind right. in everything yeah. that you do. Very nice. That's a great way to end the show. Thanks so much. I appreciate you coming in and sharing your story. Thank it was, you. It was wonderful. That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch. Thank you so much to our sponsors and our watch team for helping me to bring you the real story behind her title. Every week here on Women to Watch Media. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Krause at 267-261-3428. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management.